0: Being a chef
1: means keeping your cool in the kitchen, and with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
2: You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires. Like the highly consumer-rated Yokohama Avid Ascend LX, but did you know they sell other automotive products—wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com/slash-Colin. TireRack.com—the way tire buying should be. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards
3: on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn Active cash. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, three and out podcast, live from the Middlecoff studios in the Bay Area, where I think we're corona free, corona free and healthy. Even though we got corona- we have a uh, cruise ship on lockdown in the San Francisco Harbor right now because a guy got off it a couple days ago and died. So they have a lockdown of a cruise ship of hundreds of people that are not allowed to leave. Luckily, I'm not one of those guys, and I can do a podcast and be corona-free. we got a big show today. have a, uh, a draft trade topic that uh, we're going to talk about right off the top. We have Howie Roseman, general manager and the boss of the Philadelphia Eagles, my former boss uh, with the Eagles, on uh, on the show here coming up, I talked to him at the combine, and then I, I watched a little Jordan Love. I, I hit the the YouTube, the Mean Streets of YouTube, and check this guy out. H- have some thoughts on him? Hint, kind of like him. And then, of course, Middlecoff Mailbag at John Middlecoff is my Instagram handle. DMs are wide open. You slide right in, and you get to be on the show. It's pretty easy. DMs open to the public slide in get on the show at John Middlecoff same my Twitter handle same as my Instagram handle and then I know some of you guys have left reviews on the three and out on the uh, Apple you know iTunes really appreciate you guys doing that so if you haven't done that and you could please do it if you already have I- I'd give you uh, I'm giving you a fist pound a podcast fist pound and I'm doing it right now into the air because you can't shake hands you know Corona we fist pound or may- maybe give an elbow pound and uh and yeah, I appreciate that. And if you if you like the show, leave a little review in uh, in iTunes. Well, I want to start with this. There was an article I read. I was actually tipped off to this article because I was listening. My, my boss for the Athletic, Tim Kawakami, covers the Niners and Raiders very closely. He Also, does a lot with the Warriors. And he had on Bob Myers, the general manager with the Warriors. And he was talking about the draft because the Warriors are god awful and they're gonna they have the worst record in the NBA. As of recording this, Steph Curry's coming back tonight, but they'll rig it so they'll get the worst record in the NBA. So they're going to have a really high draft pick. And Bob Myers was saying that he, Mike Dunleavy Jr., who is now on the scouting staff, forwarded to him this article on the NFL Combine. And it was from, I, I might be screwing up his name, I met him at the Combine, Sheila uh, uh Again, I I probably just butchered that name. But met him at the Combine, I followed him on Twitter forever, Bald guy uh, covered the NFL really smart. I mean, he writes some really impressive stuff for the athletic. but Bob Myers read this article and it was about different seven different things teams could do better job of improving their organization and their drafting habits. And one thing in this article really stood out to me. He talked to this Wharton professor. Uh, so guy's clearly pretty smart that deals with like people's habits and, and he just studies people. And he did a study on the NFL draft. And one thing that he came the information that he came about a conclusion for the 40 last 40 years, he started studying it like the 80s till this last year, the draft hit and miss rate has basically stayed the same. The percentage of guys you hit and miss on in the NFL draft has not changed since the 1980s. Think about that for a second. And it to me it makes sense. We're dealing with human beings. So it's, it, it's never going to be a quantifiable thing, no matter how much information we have. And trust me, having been there, we have a ton of information. You have all the personal information. You have the tape. You have the analytics. You have it all. But you can't measure someone inside. But I think it does show you just how risky the draft is. In the top 10 this year, there are going to be some guys that turn out to be pro bowlers, Maybe one Hall of Famer, and there are going to be two or three guys that are not very good. Just the reality of every draft. In the first round, it's about 50-50. So of the 32 picks, on a good year, probably 18 guys are good. You know, and of those 18, 10 are borderline pro bowlers, 5 are elite players. You know, the other 6 or 7 are good starters. A lot of them are guys that aren't even going to have their 5th year option picked up. So I was thinking when all these trades are going down, and I've always believed this in baseball, big baseball fan, maybe a little less and less, I read more articles about Gabe Kapler and it makes me want to puke, but I've always believed in trading prospects for elite players, even if that means multiple elite prospects for proven goods. When I first got the job in Philly, they were thinking about trading for Roy Halladay, rest in peace, who at the time was a dominant pitcher. And the Phillies were going back and forth. I think his last name was Drayback, the son of the former Major League pitcher, was their number one prospect. They're like, I don't know if we want to give him or not. And they finally did. That guy became a bust, and Roy Halladay had like two or three of the greatest years in Major League history pitching for the Phillies. It was a no-brainer. It happens all the time. Mookie bets, you see all these guys get traded for a pro- I would always do that. I also think in the NFL, where in the draft, and there is something, and I see it with the Warriors right now, in the unknown of a draft pick, thinking that you can nail the pick well most likely you might nail the pick but you might whiff no matter how good of a drafter you are that's just the reality of the pick and the farther you're picking away from one the harder it gets the pick so anytime now I know the Carolina Panthers traded for an older player I think that if they were going to trade Trey Turner you should have traded for a draft pick but the Chargers got a pro bowl guard Trent Williams is available. Now he's older, but he did miss a year, so he should have fresh legs. You are getting a Pro Bowl tackle. Something tangible. You know what you are acquiring, And in free agency, you can really take advantage of it because you have the information. It's why so many teams the last several years have been aggressive with trades. For Khalil Mack, Jalen Ramsey, I know I'm getting a blue chip player. And I think you've seen the trading deadline the last couple years. Howie Roseman, trades for Golden Tate this year. John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan, trade for Emmanuel Sanders. They know what they're getting. They gave away, Kyle gave away a third and a fourth. Last year, Howie gave away a third. But they knew what they were getting. And I think there is, it's becoming less and less of an unutilized area in football. But the trade market, when you can trade for A.J. Bouye, Now, he's not as good as he was three or four years ago, but Vic Fangio, one of the better defensive minds, tells John, I think this guy fits perfectly in our system. You're trading a fourth. More than likely, if he's on your team for two years, if he's two years as a solid starter, you're probably getting a better return than if you use that fourth-round pick. Or maybe it's a conditional, it turns into a fourth-round, might be a fifth-round pick. Whatever it is. And I think more and more, the smarter general managers we have, we used to have a bunch of meatheads. And Meathead's always believe draft picks, draft picks, draft picks. And I think these smart GMs still value draft picks. But they go, you know what? If I can get said player, who is a Pro Bowl-level guy, it's worth the risk. Now, it's still on you to run a good organization, to have your shit together as a team, and the foundation of your players. Like, I would have traded last year for Odell Beckham. Now, I'm not shocked to see it not go well in Cleveland, but to me, little out of Odell Beckham's hands. I, You know, if I was going to defend Odell Beckham, I'd say, well, he came into the league as Eli Manning was falling apart. They hired Ben McAdoo and then Pat Shermer that have no clue what's going on. Then he gets traded to the Cleveland Browns with Freddie Kitchens, a second-year chubbier Baker Mayfield, and just a disastrous situation going on. Like, if Baker Mayfield had been traded to the Niners or the Patriots, or excuse me, not Baker Mayfield, Odell Beckham, it probably looks a little different. So if you have your stuff together, it's why Belichick, when he trades for players, now Mohamed Sanu didn't work out, but he was injured. When he trades for guys historically, whether it's Darrell Rivas or whoever, you go down the list of guys for Randy Moss, he usually gets the most out of them because his operation is ready to roll. The Packers, Seattle, San Francisco now, even the Rams, they are equipped to put that guy in a position to succeed. Now, there is a balance because there is an economic, you know, Element to this. When you draft a guy and you do hit, even if it's a first round pick, he is way cheaper. Because if that, like Nick Bosa, what Nick Bosa right now is worth, if Nick Bosa was a free agent right now, he would get $20 million a year. But the 49ers draft him at number two overall and he's making like four years, $35 million. So you, there is a cost control element. But I think teams have done a better job with the cap rising at relatively historic rates. And if this new CBA deal, and sorry, this I, I don't have the uh, bandwidth upstairs to read a 465-page CBA and then give my opinions on it. What I will do, if it passes or doesn't pass, then I'll give my opinion. But until we have a resolution, I, I'm just I'm just a state school guy, not a law degree. It doesn't behoove anyone for me to dive in, and I just that would bore me. Uh, but when that gets figured out. And let's say, as of recording this, it feels like it might pass. The salary cap might start raising at double the rates that it already was, and it's been flying up, right? It's been going up $10 million a year for the last five or six years. Well, it might start going $20 million a year. So you can take these contracts back, and I think the good general managers will continue to take advantage of trades for veteran players because we know their information. As this guy proved in this article – I think we feel the draft picks are becoming easier to pick because we have more information. I think that's somewhat false. We've had a lot of information, definitely the last couple decades, but the history shows us it's the bust rate is not going to change. And you know what? My my personal opinion, you could have all the information in the world. Whenever you're when you're acquiring a business, it's basically just a widget and an Excel spreadsheet. When you're uh, acquiring a human. Whether it's a basketball player, whether it's a football player, baseball player, whatever. There are human elements of just tough, innate toughness, innate mental fortitude, the grit, stuff that I I just can't value. Now, I can do a lot of research and think I can. You know what? Everyone says he checks this box, but until I get him in my building... And until in the pro level, I start paying him, uh, especially a lot of money, you never truly know how humans are going to react. You can hedge your bets and have a good idea, but it really, really there's there's always going to be an innate risk in a draft pick, where there is risk in a free agent or a trade. But when I have an established veteran that's four, five, six, seven years into the league and playing at a high level, you know for a fact what he is in the league. So I think more and more teams are going to continue to be aggressive with players and probably give up draft picks, as you've seen. It's happened actually a lot more in the NBA. It's actually
0: an analytical thing because you're just playing the percentages. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, The cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions.
2: This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is...
3: Black Buffalo was built by dippers with decades of smokeless tobacco use. They believed the market wanted tobacco alternative nicotine products that offered the best of both worlds. Bold flavor, full pouches. What are they made of? It's pretty simple. Cured edible green leaves, food-grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical-grade nicotine. Most importantly, there's no tobacco leaf or stem. All proudly made right here in the USA. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the Black Buffalo Herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online and they ship directly to most states. Or check out the store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. Okay, I'm here with, what's his title? I don't even know. Uh, Howie Roseman worked for the Eagles for, what,
4: 20-plus years? 20 years, yeah. What is your title right now? Uh, Executive Vice President of Football Operations GM. It's terrible. It's so long. It's so long. How many titles you had in your career? I started on the side of a desk that looked like this at the Veterans Stadium. So, um, you know, I'll take whatever they can give me as long as my key card still works, man. It's a beautiful thing. How many combines is this for you now? 20. 20. It's a, it's it's um, it's special, man. It's special to work in the NFL. It's special to work in Philadelphia, and um, I don't take that for granted. You know, I wake up every day and I pull into that building. and I feel very fortunate to be in the National Football League, especially where I came from. You know, you know, John. Like I, I didn't play in college. I I didn't um, know anyone, and so. Um, I know how hard it is to get in the NFL. I was the same. I know, you know things happen. I said it. I you, know it's a beautiful thing.
3: I mean, you see so many people around here—coaches, general managers, just personnel staff—that jump all over the league. It's just the nature of the business. No doubt, you've been in one place the entire time, and it, and it's a big boy place. Yeah, you know? and
4: and um, you know, I I'm fortunate because through that I've been able to get connections, and so like when I when I look at people uh, that I admire, I admire a lot of people in our sport, but I look at someone like Brian Cashman, who's become a friend, who's you know, been the GM of the Yankees for, had a decent run, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> an unbelievable amount of time. Or RC Buford in San Antonio, and like those to me, those are historic figures, man. You know, yeah. when you're able to go to a place and consistently reinvent yourself, and and that and that's what I got to do. I got a lot to continue to learn and to grow on, and, and um, I want to I want to keep learning. I want to keep getting better, and um, I got a lot of fire inside me to to continue to bring winning uh, winning teams to. You know, our players, our coaches, our our owner, who's uh, tremendous, and our fans.
3: You know, I talked to Sean McDermott and Matt Nagy, (laughs) and and on the uh, notion of knowing other people in other sports, I Mm -hmm. told them when Steve Kerr got the job with the Golden State Warriors, he had become buddies with Pete Carroll and Dan Quinn, and those guys were telling me the guys they knew. You know, Nagy's become buddies with Coach K because they're Bears fans. Have you known like Brian Cashman or uh, the the people RC Buford? You yeah. see, his son just got suspended for going off on the referees. No, he, I didn't he's, see a that. G, he's a G League coach
4: for like the Milwaukee RC's? Bucks. He yeah. Did? His, yeah. And he went oh, off I'm sure on RC's the refs. going to rip his butt. You yeah. Know.
3: So how, how long you known them, and how often do you run things off them?
4: Yeah, you know, um, I've known them for a long time, but um, really my, my year out, uh, I got a chance. I went to Europe with RC, so we spent a sports sabbatical. together. Uh, yeah, my sports <laughs> sabbatical, um, and the same with Cash. You know, I had a chance. He actually came to Philly the year before, um, and then we've spent other times uh, together, and, and really, like when I talk about hard market, you know, big market, East Coast, like, that's the guy, you know, that, yeah. that's the freaking unicorn. Um, but for me, like, it's easy for me. Well, not easy. It's, I'm fortunate that I'm able to pick up the phone and say, I'm struggling with this decision. You know, how would you approach it? Or this is what I'm thinking short term, but I'm worried about how it affects long term. And, and just hearing their experience and not just those two guys, just being able to pick up the phone. And being able to do that and get different perspective and someone who's not in the moment, who's not feeling the same pressures that that I'm feeling, and um, and also just to even talking about how you're building, your building, you know, building your building. That was a big thing I learned is building your building and having uh, complementary skill sets downstairs in your training room, in your weight room, and. Um, those guys are just—they're superstars. You know, they're—they're they're the first pick in the drafts, and so um, any chance I get to spend time with those guys, I will do. It's just worth its weight in gold.
3: When does Howie Roseman sign his first three hundred twenty-five million dollar player? <laughs>
4: Oh man. That's a lot of money. The
3: baseball and I see it in the NBA. Steph Curry signed a two hundred million dollar deal. All guaranteed. Yeah.
4: It's funny because, you know, I don't know a bigger Eagles fan than Mike Trout, you know. And Good just, point uh what a tremendous, tremendous player. And um you know, it's funny because uh, there have been times that someone will get cut or get traded and, and the breaking news will come from Trout and I'll go, where are you seeing this dude? You know, like he is <laughs> on it. He's got such passion for our football team and um, there's other players. You know, we were here last year and Carl and Anthony Towns walking into the lobby of the hotel. Really and yeah. He, yeah me, me and Coach Peterson are out there and he's like, what's up guys? You know, and we turn and he's got a huge Eagles fan. You know, yeah. it's just, it just brings everyone together. It's really cool. You know, a see, couple. See how I year, deflected on your end, your question. Yeah, you know? Well, I mean, you're so far <laughs> down the line, but the cap
3: keeps rising. You never know. No, the no. Uh, couple years removed now from the Super Bowl, but you know, you guys got the playoffs back to back year. Won a road playoff game last mm-hmm. year. This year, the stretch Carson had down the stretch. Have you seen? You know, the pressure of that being the hunted the last couple years, being a Super Bowl champ has it changed at all do you feel different coming into the office
4: i no not at all it's it's almost surreal it almost feels like nothing has changed you know it's still um this tremendous passion and determination to to get back there and win and you know you know you, you worked in the nfl for a long time and um when you're not in the playoffs when you lose in a playoff game and you see other teams playing you're sick to your stomach you're just ready for the season to end and um, you know, this is probably the first year I watched the Super Bowl not sick to my stomach just because of Coach Reed and what he's yeah, meant to was all cool. of us and um, really rooting for them. But uh, I think that y- it's really like you admire the guys who've done it time and time again because – Um, it's the top of the mountain and and to get back there, it's hard. I think that first year um, we were the hunted. I I feel like um, this year we just started slow, you know, and uh, that's one of been coach Peterson's big off season uh, talks to all of us is, you know, let's not put ourselves in that hole where um, we're coming out of Miami and we're five and seven and, and every play is a playoff play. It puts a lot of stress on your football team. You know, there, there's no margin for error and, um, in 17 we started hot you know and it gave us some room for error when we came out to the west coast and we split those games with seattle and la it wasn't the end of the world where um, we were in a position the last two years we had no margin of error and then we got into the playoffs and and we were battle tested but we were also bruised and battered yeah,
3: god you might have to, i mean you guys lead the league in injuries this year was a key guys a ton of guys going out it felt like every week
4: can we move forward? Yeah, we'll move forward. <laughs> well uh, Carson Wentz, who,
3: yeah. you know, it just takes a lot of bullets. That's what happens when you're the quarterback. Anyone that knows football knows how talented the guy is. Mm-hmm. When he flipped a switch down the stretch those last four or five was it four games, and he was incredible. Mm-hmm. And then he gets to the playoff game and you guys are rolling and he gets hurt. A and it's such in. a random injury. A plays in. You told me when he tore his ACL, you told me a story here at this podcast. You ran into Joe Buck peeing, right? I, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah.
4: This time you're watching the game. What's your first – because it, it was hard to tell what was going on. Yeah, it was a third down play. And um, immediately, you know, we punted, and the defense is on the field. And when you see the tent go up, you know, um, our trainers, our doctors, they, they don't contact us right away until they know. They, they have a sense of what's going on. And so – I saw the tent go up, and um, I sit next to our, our president Don Swanski, or more appropriately, Stan. I don't remember the last time I sat during a game, but um, and I said, "Who went in there?" And he turned to me and he goes, "I think it was Carson." And I went, "What? Like, well, I didn't even see what happened because they didn't replay it. It's kind of it a was kind of right. well, It wasn't. It was bang bang, um, and then obviously, you know, I got the call and, and just. You're just feeling for the kid, but at the same time, you're in the moment, and you have a home playoff game, and we got to win those home playoff games. So you're sitting there and going, "All right, we brought Josh in; Josh can do this." And and then Josh tears his hamstring during that game. Know, so wow. um You know, it, it just um, you feel terrible because Carson ha- had shown tremendous grit, tremendous leadership to get in that moment, but. You know, I don't sit there and think about the what-ifs. I, I just think about, you know, how can we make sure he's successful going forward? How can we make sure him and our head coach, who are both special guys, are successful going forward? And, and what can I and our staff do to make sure that happens?
3: What's the key this week for you? Just big-picture stuff, agents, just, your own players. Just to get as much
4: information as possible to make good decisions. You know, this to me, it, it's like um, you're in the CAIA, man. you got to get as much information as possible. Um, from the guys in the draft uh, about the medical um, the football knowledge and then the testing and then what's going on in the league you know what's going to be the market value of your players you know what what are you hearing going on in the league who's available you know what are the ways we can improve our team and then put it all together when we get back and put together some plans you know here's a combination of players here's a plan a this will be the combination with these resources we can get and now here's another combination because you know the best laid plans man
3: I had someone, a decision-maker, tell me they had 14 meetings in a day. Once this media dies down the next couple of days, I mean, how, are you talking double-digit meetings every day?
4: Well, John, I'm only talking to agents and players on our team.
3: Yeah, that's true. Good point. <laughs> Good point. R- r- get you out of here on this. You know the league better than anyone I've ever met. Your division is kind of unique because you have three brand-new head coaches. So there is just some unknown, despite, I mean, Ron and Mike right. have a long track record, but right. still, you know, is that – Kind of a weird, unique position. Just trying to keep, because you got to follow your division, and that's what matters. For sure. I
4: mean, when we go into that, you know, we say it all the time. It's like we got to win our division first. That's that's the first goal. Um, But at the same token, like, we have to build our team to not only try to win our division, but try to compete with the best in the NFC, the best in the AFC. And so we feel like um, we don't want to just kind of make sure that we win the matchups in the division, which we look at that. You know, we're saying, hey, this team has this particular player. How are we matching up with this guy who we face twice a year? There's no doubt about that because we got to win our division first. But we can't get into kind of this psychological game of, like, you know, Mike McCarthy was just out a year. What is he going to do different that maybe we can? You can overthink it so easy. You can overthink it, and so we just got to focus on the ways we can improve our team, the ways we think that is the best way to build our team and with the players who fit best for our team. And then as we go forward here, really kind of study and figure out the ways to beat those teams. I've read
3: you said this, so I'm not breaking any news. You still keep the four, the NFC and AFC championship boards in your office? Keeping an eye on them? Yeah, it's out there. That, was public. No, it's, public. Public. it's public. I read it. It's public. Yeah, athletic. You, you may
4: have been helping me put that together on those <laughs> oh, I, did. I, all right. I did when I was first and, there. And I think for that, because it's I look at it every day, and I look at the matchups, and I'm saying, you know, how can we get pressure on this quarterback? You know, what are we going to do? How are we taking this guy down in the open field? You can put your own players in those, yeah. in those things. But um, it, it's the most important thing. I mean, getting a home playoff game and really the bye is the key in this whole thing.
3: Saw it this year with the Niners. There's, boom, boom. There's no yeah.
4: doubt. I mean, when was the last time to. You guys the were the one seed when you won the Super Bowl, with right. the backup quarterback? I think the Giants in 2011 were the last team to go wild card round and now And that doesn't mean it can't be done, but what's the easiest way to go through it? And so the first path is through your division. Then the second path is to get the bye. Then the third path is to get the one seed. Uh, and then you try to roll. Thanks, Howie. Thanks, John. Always great to see you, man. Yeah, good to see you too. Thanks for taking me. No problem.
3: Well, Howie's good. He's like uh, he's like Floyd Mayweather. You can try to give him some stuff, but he is uh, he he's secretive in a football way. So he's not giving away any of his tips. He ain't giving away any of his tricks to the competition. Uh, he, he really values that stuff in terms of the public comments you can see. You know, it's, it's hard to get some stuff out of him. I've known him now for a decade. And uh, it, truly, I, I've been around a lot of people in the league. He knows the rosters and the players and the contracts, the combination of, like, whether they're good or bad. It's really incredible. Like He's he just, like, he's, he's seen 20 drafts. And when you've been in the league that long and you've been a part of the draft, you just know every player in the league. And then when you're a part of the contract part, you know how much they're paid, the value, you understand, the cap. He really has a a special skill set. Like It's not shocking that he built a team that won the Super Bowl several years ago. And then two years ago, they made the playoffs and won a playoff game. And last year, really despite crazy injuries, they still made the playoffs. And I get their division was down, but they beat all the teams in the division down the stretch. So, I mean, it's Part of the deal. What was their final record? 9-7. and And uh, they lost that playoff game, which who knows. Do they win if Carson's healthy? It still would have been hard because they had so many injuries, but they had no chance with Josh McCown on a torn hamstring. I I know that. Let's dive into something that this guy's been getting a lot of hype, been getting a lot of love, and been rising. And I said something last week at the Combine. It's pretty clear that the information that I gathered... And I, I'm not gathering, like, I'm not asking Howie about his draft board. One, he's not going to tell me. Two, I just, I ask him big picture stuff, and I'm talking about off the record or Coach Reed or Nagy. But I, I ask my friends, who are assistant scouting directors, college scouting directors, pro scouts, what they think of players. The, those, that's really the opinion I want to get for the draft, because they got no dog in the fight, right? They, they're not, sometimes if you ask the decision maker, now I'm not Schefter, sheet where I'm going to influence a guy's stock or not. But I do just want the, what do you think about a guy? And really, if I text any of the decision makers that, between just me and them, they'll answer the question. But I get my best information from my my buddies that are boots on the ground. Because they have no bone to pick. Now, they may not like a given player, but they shoot it straight. So I've been asking a lot about Jordan Love. And he clearly is one of the most polarizing players in the NFL. Well, I asked a couple buddies. If they thought he was a better prospect coming out than Josh Allen, who went seven two years ago to the Buffalo Bills, who at Wyoming did not ever really have a good season, was really just all talent, not much production. And multiple guys responded, he's a better prospect than Josh Allen. I went to YouTube and I watched about a 15 minute cut up of a lot of his good plays over his career. After watching that, I understand because I agree. He is a better prospect than Josh Allen. As a prospect, I'm not factoring in the picks last year. I know he threw 17. I'm just factoring it as him as in a vacuum as a quarterback prospect. He's six foot four. He's 225 pounds. He's got huge hands. He ran a 4'40", He has a thirty five inch vert. You just watch him on tape. He definitely can move. So physically, he's gifted. He's tall, he's athletic. His arm strength is pretty nice. I mean, he's got a cannon. I wouldn't say he's got Josh Allen Mahomes arm, but he definitely has an above-average NFL arm. So you just put that in a vacuum. Well, if I'm an NFL head coach, and I'm an offensive head coach, I got an ego. I think that I can coach guys up. And Matt Wells, who's now the coach at Texas Tech, who I've followed, and we've followed each other on Twitter forever. I haven't DM'd him yet about Jordan Love. But he left... Texas Tech last year, or for Texas Tech last year when Cliff Kingsbury got fired. That means Jordan Love had a brand new coach last year. So his worst season at Utah State was with a new coach. And I I guess I've read this, that he had eight new starters on offense. So there was a lot of turnover. And then I looked at, in his final two years, he had 17 picks last season. He had six the year before. So he th- through his last two years of playing, he had 23 total interceptions. To put in context, now I'm not saying, I'm not even comparing these two guys, but Mahomes had 25, had two more picks his last two seasons than Jordan Love. So I think you have to understand when people go, you know, he's not a decision maker, he throws too many picks. That's not the way offensive coaches look at this. When you have the arm strength and you have the tools, they'll go, we'll figure it out. We'll scheme this guy up. We'll coach this guy up. We'll develop this player. Now, in a perfect world, watching Jordan Love, I think he should sit. He should not play right away. But I don't know if that's realistic in 2020. Because consistently, when these guys are get drafted, they don't sit. And they definitely don't make it through the whole first year. I would say Mahomes lasted the longest of any highly drafted guy over the last decade. And he still played one game his rookie year. But Sam Darnold, Teddy Bridgewater... Johnny Manziel, Baker Mayfield. You just go through the list. I'm talking about the guys that did not start week one. They find a way to start by week six. six. Trubisky, Deshaun Watson, because their teams just end up needing the guy. Because usually when you're drafting a first-round quarterback, it's not a situation where you have an Alex Smith starting or Brett Favre starting or back when Carson Palmer, John Kitna. Those days feel over. So I think it's easy to say in a draft room, Ideally, this guy would sit. So if you're the Las Vegas Raiders, sit a year behind Derek Carr. Now that gets a little complicated because Carr's still a young player. I think the best case scenario, you draft Phillip Rivers, you sign this guy behind him, or draft this guy behind him to sit and learn. But I think it gets difficult. So can you coach and learn and coach this guy up on the fly? I do think what could benefit this individual is like Mahomes, he ended up on a really good team. So if this guy can last out of the top 10 and get a team to come up and trade for him, whether it be in New England, whether it can be the Colts, whether it just be a team that's the, the Bucks that have an established head coach, that have an identity on offense, maybe he has a chance. So, and I think this gets back to in general, when you get drafted really high, it's not always good, right? When you get drafted, I mean, Baker Mayfield went number one. Now, it's very lucrative to get drafted number one. You get over $30 million guaranteed. So you're a rich man immediately. And I guess you become famous and you get State Farm commercials or whatever his his uh, insurance commercials are. So he makes a lot of money. Sam Darnold goes three. He goes to the freaking Jets. No one wants to go to the Jets. No one wants to go to the Browns. But you go, look at Josh Allen, who three or four spots later gets to go to the Bills, who at the time were just coming off the playoffs, and now a couple years later, look like, you guys all listened to Sean McDermott last week, they know what the hell's they're doing. And Josh Allen is in a pretty damn good situation, right? Look at Lamar Jackson, who falls till the end of the first round, ends up with the Ravens, John Harbaugh, built the offense around him, the dude wins the MVP. Hell, if you last to the second round like Jimmy Garoppolo, you end up going to the Patriots. Now, you want to go high. That's what I would imagine any young player wants to go really high in the draft. But sometimes if you slip a couple spots... Like, if you can get into the teens and get some of these teams to trade up and get you, it actually behooves you. Look at Deshaun Watson. Is Deshaun Watson... Now, if he was on the Bears, they'd be good. But some of those crappy teams that passed on him, like the Browns, he ends up with the Texans. Three straight years, three straight years in the playoffs. Elite player. Good team. Bang, boom. He's good. It's just a perfect match. Now, the Texans have some issues, and he might have got killed if they didn't trade for Laramie Tunzel, but but the Texans are pretty... I mean, they make the playoffs every year. So, I think with Jordan Love, I saw enough in that YouTube clip. Now, I'm I'm only seeing the positives. And when I was at Fresno State, Pat Hill taught me this. And he had learned this from Ozzie Newsom and Bill Belichick when he worked in Cleveland. You never do a full evaluation off a highlight tape. Now, luckily, I'm just a media guy, and I just need to give a general opinion. And I'm good at this. I can tell enough watching a tape what his positives are at. I don't see the negatives. Like on that tape, there are no plays of him against the blitz. There are no—they're not showing his interceptions. But I'm not—I'm not drafting the guy. I just—if I just can see the positives. And remember, Bill Walsh used to be, "Show me what he can do." And this guy can do a lot. There were clearly a lot of negatives this year, so you would have to dive into those with him when you bring him in on his visit and see if that's a—that's a combination of him trying to be a hero. That's a combination of the the cast not being good enough. If he just made some stupid plays. You have to really figure it out, but there is no disputing. And this is a talent league, sports, the pro sports. I don't know anything about this guy's character. I don't know anything about this guy's head upstairs, right? So I am just going to assume it's good until I hear otherwise. Because I think if it was otherwise, it'd be out there. So if you assume it's good, he's a he's a hard worker, smart guy. You feel like he'll give you everything he has. Then he ha- then he ha- he definitely has a chance because his his attributes. If you just YouTube them, speak for themselves. And the quarterback position, as we saw last year, Baker Mayfield got lazy, he got fat, and he sucked. But a guy like Josh Allen just keeps working, keeps working, and he keeps improving. Lamar Jackson, nobody care, work harder. He keeps going to getting better. Now, if you're Johnny Menzel and you're screwing around 24-7, you're going to suck. Look at Dak Prescott. He ain't the most physically gifted guy. High character, high intangible, hard worker. Like He has his down moments, but he, it's hard. he's not going to fail. So if this guy checks all the boxes off the field, I I saw enough that uh, I understand. I'm not saying it's going to work because we're bound to get some busts. And as I talked about to open the show, the bust rate in the NFL has not changed in 40 years. Now, I, I do think when it comes to quarterbacks, it's a little easier to play the position because the rules have changed. So we're bound to get a couple. We haven't. We've really just had Rosen. I mean, Baker was trending the wrong way last year, but we haven't had that many the last several years, high picks. So there are bound to be one or two coming because you can't, not every guy is just going to be a hit, but it's just, if this guy checks the boxes off the field, I, I, I understand why someone's going to draft him really high. And you see
0: the chances for him to be, you know, a good NFL player. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue while you prep your meats,
3: Made right here in the USA. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco, and want to join the Black Buffalo herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online, and they ship directly to most states. Or check out the store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. Okay, let's dive into the Middlecoff mailbag. And I've gotten a lot of questions. I know some of you guys have DM'd me on Brady and the latest with Brady and Jimmy. I'm a little bradied out. I also talked about it pretty in depth on my other Haberman Middlecoff podcast. We, we dove into the pros and cons compared to him and Jimmy. And if the Niners should be interested. There's a lot of guessing right now. People keep, what do you think he's going to end up? I have no clue. You know, I I don't know anyone that knows him. I don't know anyone with New England. I I just, I don't know. And uh, it's it's a fun topic. And I I did 35, 40 minutes on my other podcast about just him and Jimmy. But I I truly don't know where he's going to go. I I, I just don't know. You know, it gets weirder by the day. You know, you'd think, I I don't know. (laughs) That's what makes the story kind of cool, too. Okay, at John Middlecoff, slide into my DMs. Quick question. I don't understand the player's issue with the franchise tag. Seems like a deal that most people in everyday life would turn their nose up at in their own jobs. Well, I think here's the thing. If you're good enough to get franchised, that means, I'd say, it's safe to assume that typically you're one of the best players on the team. And meaning, if you're willing, that team's willing to pay you top five at your position, you would probably get a lot of money in the open market. And like in any business, when you sign a contract, you know, that contract is five years, two years, a year, and the contract is over. So you can only franchise me if my contract's over. Now, it's not the worst thing because you do get a lot of money. But in the sense of, if, if, someone's, if I'm a defensive lineman, let's say a defensive tackle, and the franchise tag is like $15 million. Well, if I'm a good player, instead of getting one year $15 million, I might be able to get $50 million guaranteed on the open market. So it's just, it's just basic economics. You know, the, the amount of money most players, now if you're a running back like Le'Veon Bell, ultimately he, didn't lose, he lost money right he gave up the 14 million and then he only made 27 so he basically lost 13 million but cuz he could have had the 14 and the 27 but i think a lot of players wide receivers linemen quarterbacks there were so much on the open market so yeah you know 12 15 18 million a quarterback 25 million dollars great kirk cousins got 85 million dollars as a free agent so th- there is a huge, huge gap between free agency and the franchise tag for the, for the elite players. Uh, I've heard the term scheme eval a few times lately. Can you quickly dive into what that process looks like? Keep up the great work. Love the Andy Reid interview. Well, I've never been part of a scheme eval. I mean, I've been in the office when, when I was at Fresno State and then in Philly when they're going over it. What it means is during the season you're not self scouting really you're really much more focused on improving your own players and then scouting your opponent now obviously you're always trying to you know break tendencies like if you're if on every second and seven you run the same play by about week 5 or 6 you're going to have to change that up but at the end of the season you go back through every down and distance every red zone situation, every third and long, you name it, and you self-scout your play calling and your players. So when you do a scheme eval, I guess the scheme eval is much more scheme, but you're, bas- you're also watching your own players, you're really judging what works and, and what doesn't. From a big picture standpoint, the emotion of the season, you're much more well-rested because you're not living to the day-to-day, just trying to win a game. You could you can think about the uh, you could just take you know like a bird's eye view on it where in the season you're just kind of in the mud you're just trying to get through it's like you just you're trying to cross a river and you'll do whatever it takes to get across that river whether you got to swim whether you can walk through it whether you got to take a horse through it you just want to get to the other side that's the equivalent of just winning a game and then you want to win the next game when the season ends. You need to look at your operation and try to get better. I think we all do it, whatever business you're in, when you have year-end reviews, when you have quarter reviews, when you take a step back and you review products. Whatever industry you're in, you're constantly evaluating, after a while, the process or the product. And I think that's all a scheme of value is. Now, a coach could probably get more in-depth to what they specifically do, Like, I I don't know if they break it down, you know, first and five, first and eight, first and ten. I I don't know exactly how they do it, but I know they're just trying to figure out things that can help them win in the future, that teams can't find tendencies, because that's all football is. Once you have a good play, you're going to run it over and over, and then it becomes a tendency, especially in certain situations. According to Over the Cap, The Bills have the third highest effective cap space. If you were Brandon Bean, how would you spend it? The Bills will have to pay their young defensive talent soon. Is there anything they can do to front load new free agent deals to keep space open for Trey's contract is up? Well, I think the number one key would be wide receiver. And you go, well, they already traded Sammy Watkins, so they probably wouldn't do that unless they get Sammy for cheap, but I don't think he'd come for cheap. I don't think even if Amari Cooper were to hit free agency, he would be a great fit. So, I, you look at the wide receivers, nothing there. Now, would, could you trade for a guy? You know, would you be willing to trade, you know, that pick in the 20s if you could ever get, like, a. am just throwing these random guys out. A Mike Evans, to me, you'd want a big body guy. I'm just throwing a couple of random guys out. Obviously, Mike Evans is a Mike Evans, a Julio Jones. I think the Bills now are in that market. If a guy like that becomes available, you have to be open-minded to trading for him. I think, you know, that little running back they drafted, but you could always use another one. You could always use a tight end. You, you could just use all offensive skill guys with Austin Hooper. You know, I think they'd be crazy to not be in the Austin Hooper uh, kind of uh, ballpark. I don't, Jimmy Graham got cut. I mean, he's a good red zone target, but when I think the Bills, I think tough, physical, I don't, I don't think he makes much sense makes much sense uh so yeah i mean i just think you're in the tight end wide receiver market you know and any time that you could get a pass rusher so could you trade like a a mid-round pick if the niners re signed eric armstead and get d ford as a nickel pass rusher you know he's basically this year would just cost you 15 million for the cap so if you could get him for like a fourth round pick would you do that could that help you get over the edge look at d ford's been a starter Technically, wasn't a starter in the Niners, but, I mean, a key player for teams that have been dominant the last two years. So I think you have to be open-minded maybe to trades because the reality is when it comes to free agency, most guys that hit free agency, they're not worth overpaying. They're they're, they're just not. So I I would try to improve weaknesses because their positives in terms of the defense is already great. Now, they, they need a pass rusher, but... Yeah, they, could, they could use a pass rusher and then offensive skill guys. Big Niners fan from the Midwest. In a heavy Chiefs area. I really enjoyed the Andy Reid interview. Appreciate it. You don't often get an NFL coach to be that candid. No, you don't. Especially a guy that just won a Super Bowl. Also, thanks for all the Niners talk this season on Haberman Milkov. No problem. Helps a guy who doesn't live in the area of the team be as connected to a guy who lives in the area. Big Ace fan as well. Hoping you guys will cover. This is just a positive. You know, sometimes I don't, I don't look at the DMs before I read them. That's why... I, I try not to just read the uh, the ego stroke, but you know, it feels good sometimes. Should should the Panthers part ways with Marty Herney if this season is a bust? This is his second tenure as the Panthers GM. While he hit on drafting Cam Newton and Luke Keekly, hard to miss on those two. Agree. One guy went number one overall. I think they drafted Luke eight. And I remember that off season we needed a middle linebacker. It was the year it was my it was my second year in Philly, and we ended up getting Fletcher Cox. And we really want, we love Luke keekley but about by about this time, it was clear. Once Luke went to the combine and ran like a four four eight, it was like, yeah, this guy is not going to leave the top ten. And I remember Andy Reid told Howie that he was going to be a Hall of Famer, and Andy was right. I mean, the guy's the guy's a superstar. What's your take on the guy? I, I I think the problem is is I don't know the relationship with Matt Rule and and Marty Herney. Because Matt Rule has been in the NFL one year you know, as an assistant for the Giants. He spent the majority of his time in, in college. So he's going to need a personal, personnel guy that knows the league, knows free agents, knows contracts, just knows the draft, knows colleges, knows prospects. So it, it becomes a little complicated. I, I just ask, who does Matt Rule know well in the personnel sector? Now, if he's got a personnel guy... Then yeah, I would say Marty Herney's in some trouble. But if Matt Rule legitimately likes Marty Herney a lot, I don't know. I don't know Matt Rule. I don't I don't know anything about their relationship. But to me, he'll be as safe as Matt Rule wants to make him. It's Matt Rule's show. Marty Herney's just kind of there along for the ride. So if Matt Rule likes him, it'll be okay. The Brady situation feels obvious to me. There's never been more money in football, and Tom is pushing the new T B twelve product. I feel like Tom knows He's staying in New England, but has an opportunity for the entire sports world to stir up his brand for a couple months and before breaking the news. All this equates to more revenue for Tom. What's your take? If he stays in New England, he definitely played it up for business reasons. And I, I think we'd all have to give him credit. That's a smart move. If he leaves, I think this—he, it's pretty clear he didn't have a definitive team in mind. He wasn't dead set on going back to New England. If he resigns with the Pats... I think it would be fair to say, regardless what's written, he was leaning that way the entire time. If he goes to the Titans, if he goes to the Chargers, if he somehow ends up on the Niners, he pretty he went into this open minded, right? He's like a dude on a dating app, like let's just see what's here. And I I I, I don't know. I, I I keep saying I don't know. I can give opinions on specific places, but I can't pretend to know where he's going because every day I hear something different, and I, I'm a I mean, I'm a horror for these type stories. I love them, but this one, I, it's hard because I, I don't even have an idea. Like last year with Kevin Durant, it was clear he was going to the Knicks. Now he ended up not going to the Knicks because James Dolan's an idiot. But he still ended up with the Nets. He ended up in New York. You know, when we knew we, twice LeBron, it was clear he was going to come home. And then a couple years ago, it's like everyone knew he was going to LA for a year. That's what makes this kind of crazy. Is like, where is he going to go? I, I I wish I knew. I wish I do. I, I I hope I hope it works out for him. I would hate for him to go somewhere and then for it to suck and just kinda of ruin his legacy.
0: Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions.
1: There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
2: You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on-and-off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their Bridgestone, test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews, and be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo
3: products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. Head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online and they ship directly to most states or check out the store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo tobacco alternative, bowl flavor, full pouches. I know Nagy is your guy and I like him too. He is, he is thinking that a few new staff members are going to be enough to turn things around. Is that going to be enough? Do you do you think they have the right stuff there and just need to shove Trubisky in the correct direction? Uh, I think the staff members he he was it was I don't know if through listening through it, but being next to him and talking about it evident how excited he is to have laser and John D. Filippo, Bill Lazer and John D. Filippo in the building. And he can kind of take a step back, let them got, let those guys coach Mitch, and take it from there. Uh, I think the big picture question is, and this is not his fault, he didn't draft the player, is Mitch good enough? Because he had Nagy coaching him, then Nagy takes a step back, now he has John D. Filippo, who's coached Carson Wentz, he has Bill Lazor, who's coached different players and had success. He's had guys that have had success coaching quarterbacks. John D. Filippo just coached Gardner Minshew. I think he won Offensive Rookie of the Week like six times. So if Mitch, if, if you can get more out of him, we're going to find out. If There's a chance Mitch isn't. Sometimes at the highest level, you're just not good enough. I would lean that way, though clearly I'm biased. I want Nagy to have success. I, I'm just kind of a pseudo Bears fan now. I'm rooting for the Bears. And maybe their defense gets back to really dominating again. They draft a tight end or sign a couple offensive guys. And kind of get some momentum that way. But we'll see. There is is a ton of pressure on Trubisky. Now here's the positive. The Lions stink. They are not good. The Vikings lost Everson Griffin. There's a chance that they trade Diggs. They just might not be as good next year. Their margin for error is just Harrison Smith's a year older. Hunter's a year older. Some of their prime guys are just a little older. They're, you know, Thielen's banged up a lot. Their offensive line stinks. And the Packers, we'll see. I mean, they could, if they nail a wide receiver and nail a tight end, could be really good. Or they could just be a little bit smoke and mirrors last year and be more like a 9-10 win team. So that division actually might come back to the Bears a little bit if Mitch kind of gets it rolling again to be a double-digit win team and to win the division like they did two years ago. So I actually think that division has a lot more questions than it does answers which is a good thing for the bears and mitch. But there's a simple reality. If Mitch plays like he does last year, they got no shot and they're just going to be a middle level team. And that's that's based on the defense being good. If the defense isn't good, they'd win five or six games. If Mitch is good, he's never going to live up to being the number 2 overall pick, I, I think it's fair to say. But if he is just a solid starter, then they can win 10-11 games. I mean it's just it just comes down to that. What if the Cowboys let Dak walk, trade up to get Jordan Love, then sign Brady for two years? They could then franchise Cooper. It would take a lot to trade up, but if they could make it happen, this would shake the league and plant a solid foundation for the Cowboys. Also, love the podcast. Keep doing what you're doing. I don't hate this idea. I am all for this idea. Now, the Cowboys who missed the playoffs are drafting what? 18... 20 somewhere in there like the last team to miss the playoffs. Uh it would probably take them to get Jordan Love, a couple first round, you know, their this pick, a second rounder and a first rounder, but if they got Brady, they keep Amari, they have a pretty good base there right to, you know, hit the ground running. 100% agree, would shake up the league, would be fun. I'm all for that scenario. But for that scenario to work, one they would have to be willing to punt on Dak, which doesn't seem like they are going to do. Two, Brady would have to pick them. So I guess the first thing, Brady would have to say, hey, Jerry, and hey, Mike McCarthy, I want in. Which if he did, I think they would listen. Then two, would they punt Dak for him? How much would he cost? So there, there is a variable out of their control, the most important variable for this, would Tom want to go there? If Tom did, then who knows? I, that'd be fun. That would be really fun. Appreciate everyone listening. Have a great weekend. Three and out podcast. Uh, tell your friends. Grassroots. Organic. If if my Instagram spammed you, I got hacked. Kind of also my fault. My bad. Tried to get a free Amazon gift card after I hit this link. It was stupid. It was dumb. You live and you learn. Cal Poly. You learn by doing. Uh, so if I spammed you, my bad. Just don't hit it. And if not, enjoy the weekend. March Madness right around the corner. Free agency right around the corner. Good time to be a sports fan. Adios.
0: Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere.